0: He is a musician, a graduate from the University of New Mexico with a Bachelor of Arts degree in music, and is currently serving in the U.S. Navy as a professional saxophone player. Jared Goodrum is next on OTP.
1: And how you doing, Jared?
0: Doing good. How you doing?
1: All right. It's good to see you, son.
0: Good to see you, too.
1: (laughs) All right. For those that um, might be listening, you might... Uh, I've noticed that our guest today has the same name as the host, and he's my son, Jared Goodrum. And I'm glad to be talking to you today. Um, let's start out first, Jared, with your first memory of music, getting into music, wanting to play your instrument. Well, the first.
0: The first memory of music at all I remember, funny enough, the two things I love, cars and music, I remember playing with my toy cars on the carpet <laughs> and having the stereo go and listening to like Earth, & and Fire and Stevie Wonder and Anita Baker. And mm. while I was playing on the floor, you know, probably three years old with, <laughs> you know, the little toys that I had, that's the earliest memory that I have of music, but another one that i know you tell the story to to everybody which was when i was older is when i you know which i still do to this day is you know whistling to whatever song that came on the radio i obviously went i went with you i would always be tagging along with you when you would go run errands we would be listening to the smooth jazz station so i had a lot of practice to listen to the same song over and over and over again so i'd be (laughs) whistling along with that and then so I think I already was developing my ear without really realizing that I was developing my ear because it was a they would play the same songs over and over and over and over and over, and over again yeah so
1: yeah I was gonna mention um you know we would do family trips mm-hmm. and you would sit behind me and I remember just telling mom that uh he's uh humming in the key he always had a a, a good ear Mm -hmm. and um so what made you want to go because i have a memory of wanting to get you on tuba
0: (laughs) yeah i remember that i mean you tried to get me on everything but saxophone is what you tried to do (laughs) i guess i remember trying to play tuba and i remember trying to play trumpet and i remember trying to play uh trombone and those (laughs) instruments frankly are a lot harder than saxophone (laughs) Sax a lot easier than those instruments.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were good times. Now talk a little bit about um, your your love for music in, at that point in your life, because I'm trying to direct you toward, you know, as you decided to make a choice to go into music, but your love for music, how it
0: grew. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, it's hard to articulate because it's such an abstract thing. That's not something that you can really touch or, you know, um, it's just, it's not a, it's not a finite type of thing to, to talk about. So it's really hard to articulate, but I just, there is, you know, there was just a feeling of whenever we would watch like one of the earliest memories of watching like the Grammys and watching Stevie Wonder or like, especially watching live performances. I remember that was like, that was probably one of the biggest um, pivotal moments for me as a kid, like a little kid watching live performances a lot, watching Anita Baker or Luther Vandross or Stevie Wonder or perform live. We would watch DVDs. I remember watching Bela Fleck, and seeing them perform was it was just the, it was, just you know, those cliche of like I knew that's what I wanted to do because of the feeling I got watching them. It was so entertaining. And I thought what they were doing was so impressive, even as a little kid. And I didn't understand what was happening. And I thought that what I was listening to was so just unbelievable. Like it was just like nothing else. So I knew I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do that when I would watch a lot of live performances um, on TV. It was just, it spoke to me more than, more than anything else.
1: You yeah. Know? Yeah. Did the music have any influence on you to, on the selection of your uh, instrument? Did the music have any, any influence on that? at all? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, the, um, i mean watching i was really into guitar players funny enough like i loved jimmy hendrix and you know the dvd of us watching baylor fleck i forgot which dvd that was but mm-hmm. him on the banjo and um i was into a, a, even john mayer when i got older and um um like you know classic rock Listening to led zeppelin and 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 leonard skinner and then a lot of classic rock stuff I, I loved guitar, but for whatever reason, um, when I started playing saxophone, it didn't ever occur to me like, oh, I should play, I should, you know, switch to guitar or I should learn a different instrument. I felt like, I think the reason why I love saxophone so much, even at a younger age before I realized it was because it, it did seem already, I could tell that it was something that could blend with with any, with anything I could blend with a guitar. Or I could play piano lines or I could play trumpet lines, or I didn't feel limited mm-hmm. by saxophone,
1: you know, right. which I think is a
0: very common thing when you, even when you play guitar and other things, you can't, I think saxophone is one of the most, besides like drums maybe, right? Mm-hmm. That can uh, change shape yeah. to, 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 to fit with a vocalist to, to anything. So watching, um, it was more I started playing saxophone first. And then when I would watch things or listen to things, I was like, Oh, that would sound interesting on saxophone. It was kind of that spot. I see. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, you, you've got your horn, you start playing. And what was um, the feeling you had as you started developing your instrument and your voice on the instrument? as you started to get into high school and so forth?
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember, it's funny, because I remember, um, for those listening, my dad was my first band director in middle school. So (laughs) I remember being in sixth grade, playing saxophone and listening to the jazz band and seeing people, seeing the kids uh, improvise. And Mm -hmm. for our program at the time, sixth graders were still learning the fundamentals hmm. and um so um uh, I remember going you know playing in the concert and the seventh graders and eighth graders would come out after the sixth graders were performed and seeing them impro- improvise and I mean I was kind of a cocky little kid I was I would hear them improvise and I would go you know I feel like I could do a little bit better I feel like I, can do, I feel like I can do this a little bit better like I don't know how, because obviously I didn't know exactly yet what they were doing, but I was like, mm-hmm. I already had the urge to want to express myself and play with that. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so I already knew that I that that, that uh, you know improvising was the way that I wanted to go when um, when I would see the jazz band perform, and
1: you mm-hmm. know
0: later on, so. Um, and then as time went on, you know, you, you, I get into seventh grade and you taught me the blues scale and, uh, already, you know, I was already hungry. I remember we had the, 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 uh, standard of excellence CDs (laughs) and I was real, I was excited about that because you take home the CD and you play along with the CD and I loved it. You know, it wasn't practicing, to me, right. it was just having fun and trying to express myself on something that was brand spanking new at sure. the time. So I was playing along with it already and going like, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Like, this is so much yeah. fun, yeah." you know?
1: And, and that leads me to this question about improvisation. I mean, I remember that you and I had that conversation about playing by ear and mm-hmm. reading and we got to give props to your high school band director, Mr. Tyler North. Very much so. One of the better, best uh, directors here in Albuquerque, and if not the state. Yes. And um, so we talked about talk a lo- a little bit about that experience of your playing by ear, and then you know versus
0: getting into that reading that you that you needed. Yeah, that was a hard transition because um, it's funny, I've talked to, I'm in the Navy now and I've talked to a lot of, i talked to a lot of different musicians about their journey, about how they learn music and vocalists, guitar players, a lot of vocalists and guitar players were learned by ear. And I don't think it's as scrutinized as it is for instrumentalists, like for other instrumentalists, like yeah. trumpet players, sax players, because, you know, the the way through, at least through in New Mexico, the way through the band program is a little bit more rigid in terms of what is required of you. So um, I learned playing saxophone by ear and that was the number one way I learned. And I remember sitting in your band class and uh, couldn't read anything, but I would wait for, shout out to Dennis Weiss. He would, he was a reader. He could really read really well and he could improvise. He was a much better saxophone player than I was at the time and he would play it first and then i would hear him and then i would and then i would play it after him. and that got me through three years of middle school you know? and then uh so to answer your question getting into high school was you know where i was coming from the big leagues especially because sandia sandy high school was uh was had a really really strong program for like i think the you know early to mid 2000s even late 90s Fessinger. Mr. Fessinger had built up a super strong program. There were monsters coming out of Sandia. Um, they had gotten high ratings at festival. And I mean, they were just a, they were still a powerhouse when, you know, when I was freshman year of, of high school. Sure. And the, what they were a powerhouse of was reading. Like their wind ensemble was the creme de la creme, you know, strong, you know, sure uh, program. And their jazz band was too, but both of them could were sight reading. They were sight reading all the time. And uh, I remember freshman year, I got into freshman year, and uh, even when there was nothing to really do, if we had finished festival or whatever, we were going to sight-read some new music, and it was going to be in 5.8 or (laughs) 13-something, or it was going to be switching meters, whatever, and I would just fold every single time. And I I hated Mr. North, frankly, (laughs) because he was always yelling at me in freshman year to get to read. And I was always getting chewed out and I was always getting yelled at. And I was always, you know, stepping in holes, as we say in the (laughs) musician world where that means, you know, when there's a rest, when you're not, when nobody's supposed to play, I would play (laughs) because I wasn't reading the music correctly. Right. So I was, I mean, I was a mess freshman year, but it was exactly what I needed as much as I hated it. Right. Um, Right. Right. Cause it got my reading chops up and up and up and up and up, and Mr. North would push that and push that. And by senior year, I still think to this day it might have been might be rose colored glasses, but I still think, I think even to this day, yeah, the best sight reading I've ever been in my life was senior year of high school. Wow. I remember reading seven eight and reading seven four and reading, you know, right right uh, three eight and thirteen, and and being able to get through it without really much of anything. I felt like such a strong sight reader. I was very confident uh, reading, Mm -hmm. sight reading in in senior year. And I've never really gotten back to that um, level. I think I'm close, but I've never been to that where I felt that confident as a senior. And that's all due to Mr. North. Mr. North, you know, that was from every day of just doing that.
1: Sure. Sure. So now you, um, you're out of high school and you're moving to college And I want to talk about the decision on whether to go into music Mm -hmm. because now this is a part of, we all know of young people's lives of deciding, you know, well, maybe this is something I want to do for a living Mm -hmm. and talk about that transition.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a tough transition as well because, um, it was kind of the big fish in a small pond syndrome <laughs> of Sandia. Cause you know, I talk about how big of a change it was from middle school to high school, but eventually I did outgrow that band program to be honest, because, um, um, you know, it was a good, it was a good high school and, and I, and I learned everything I still learned from, high, from my, from my, what I learned in high school, I still use today, sure. but my senior year, I think because I was so, I was in every band class. I was the typical band nerd. I was in every band class. I didn't <laughs> care about grades. I only cared about band music. It was the only thing I looked forward to. Remember I was in every this band was. Class. A- this mm-hmm. is
1: a public podcast. We want to encourage kids to know that. Well,
0: <laughs> you know, that's what I'm not saying I did the right thing. Right. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. that's what it was. You right. know, good, good. So, I, I mean, that's how much I cared about music. I was just, that's, I just lived and breathed. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to play my saxophone. I did not right. care about anything else at the time. Um, yeah. And, but that came at a cost that I didn't realize at the end of senior year where I burnt myself out, you know. Right. Um, I had a big solo that year. It was the, we call it the Tank Solo. For, for the, those who don't know, the Tank Solo is, Tank is the name of the song, which was the intro music <clears throat> to an anime called Cowboy Bebop. Oh. Very iconic, one of the biggest animes to ever, you know, happen, um, and a really good one. And there's a famous saxophone solo on that. Uh, Intro that a lot of sasmo players have covered and a lot of sasmo players have biffed including myself (laughs) Um, Because it's incredibly difficult and it's very, you know, like the title. It's very beboppy, you know, right and when you get into it very difficult solo by um, Masato Honda who I got to meet in Japan, but um but working on that solo burnt me out and I didn't know how to play Altissimo. Altissimo is an extended technique for saxophone that's very difficult yeah. when you're first learning how to do it. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't coming easy to me. I grew up, I didn't have lessons growing up, right. so um, it was very much kind of thin for yourself. <clears throat> I was trying to figure it out on my own. YouTube wasn't even it wasn't even that old by that point. so there was there was a finite. YouTube was like a finite source at that time. right right. so there was only a couple you know only a a few saxophone videos on youtube i was trying to figure it out and that process really burned me out i i i I had nailed it at the uh, marching band competition but i really felt like i was at the end of my rope like i didn't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. Um, so fast forward and graduate high school and was still doing gigs in town right um, but i didn't want to do music anymore I was done. I said I didn't want to do music anymore. Um, but ironically, I was still doing, I was still gigging around town because it was a good way. It was my first job, really. That was the that was the best way to earn money was at right. the time, was gigging around around town and stuff. So um I would still do it. I was majoring in psychology, like every person that comes out of high school. <laughs> and uh, but I loved psychology. I loved it. But uh, right. eventually I came into contact with um, Mr Rodney bow and um Eric Jeklin, uh, who's a bass player both of them bass players that um, both of them uh unm alumni I believe uh, and um, and they they really talked me into going into the music program and really getting the proper education about it and you know uh, take you know tying myself up there I remember Rodney bow gave me I had an open mic night, and we went up there and played up there. And um, afterwards, Rodney Bo kind of gave me the Rocky coach, you know, <laughs> uh, talking to, and right. he basically told me he was like, "Look, you're too talented to be doing this on the side. Either you're going to do this for real, for real, or you're going to stop messing around." And he said that, but with a lot more cuss words. Don't believe it. And uh, and it made me really think. And I decided that it was uh, it was worth worth going into. And that was a decision that changed my life forever, because who knows where I would have been going through psychology. you know? Yeah, Right.
1: So now you're going into college and, um, you know, this is where a lot of our or some of our listeners may be able to parallel their lives with and their experiences in college you majored in music ed or in performance what was your your major
0: so i majored in um jazz studies at first
1: oh that's right yeah
0: and then um was going to the program and i'll be completely honest i don't think i was a very strong saxophone player when i was going at least relative to um Mm -hmm. the people around me Um, i wasn't doing well in auditions And uh, my sight reading, you know, contrary to exactly what I said before, that year after uh, senior year of high school, it had really taken a toll on my sight reading, on my technique. You Uh know, I just came into UNM very, very rough, very Uh rough. Um, I didn't have a good horn yet. I was still on my high school horn. Um, You know, it was it was not a good horn. that first year was really, really, really tough. Um, so, you know, as as I was going through jazz studies, uh, of course, they're making you learn piano. They're trying to. It's not as. Uh, it's not as. Um, what do you want to say? Like, it's not as. Um, it doesn't require as much as music ed in terms of playing a lot of different instruments, but. Right, they right. do want you to be able to be a lot more proficient in piano, which is standard across like the country. That's, you know, sure. that's standard stuff for jazz studies. Right. But I changed my major because I felt like I wasn't, <clears throat> I didn't have enough time. I was spending more time practicing on piano than I was on my axe on my own horn.
1: Right,
0: right. So, and I didn't feel, and I was still doing rough in auditions. So I felt like I was at a crossroads in terms of, well, I'm not really a strong saxophone player. I'm spending a lot of time on pianos taking away from me getting to be a strong saxophone player. I would rather spend more time on my acts and improvising and technique to get better at saxophone right. than, um, go on piano. So I changed my major. I had heard from other people who had done the same thing. I, w- I was by far not in the minority who've done this type of thing. Sure. Um, who people who have suggested, hey, you should go in a general music, get your Bachelor of Arts in general music because you'll have more time to right. spend on practicing your ass. And that's exactly what happened. Like it was, yeah. I'm glad somebody told me that because that's exactly what happened. I switched my major and um, piano wasn't required of me. And I was able to really, really shed hard on saxophone. Right. Um, and right. I needed that. <clears throat> this isn't to say this is what people should do by no means, but I needed that because I didn't feel like I was keeping up with the the, the saxophone studio at the time. Right. Um, and I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made because if I hadn't done that, I don't think I would be as strong of a player today. Right. You know?
1: So, yeah. And the, the part of getting into your horn and you're uh, – Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like that was an area where you started to really create a relationship with your instrument and connecting with your instrument.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Um, As an adult. and moving Yeah. Forward. 100%. 100%. Especially when you're really starting to make money with, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm 19, 20, 21. Right. And I'm finally starting to make like real money doing it. I'm starting to get in contact with, bigger players in the community of Albuquerque and they're, they're taking a chance on you. And, you know, there's, it becomes more and more on the line as you, you know, get better. So, um, I definitely developed a relationship with the horn, but for, you know, for those that don't know, my dad ended up giving me his horn, which was a professional horn. Mm. And I love that horn. Still have that horn to, to this day. I'll never get rid of it. But that horn just didn't fit me. Right. And my dad's heard me talk about this a thousand times. And what I mean by that is literally and figuratively, that horn's a classical horn,
1: yeah, uh, which was
0: good for you and him because I, it was a lot of classical. Most of my time was doing a lot of classical. Sure. And that horn whooped my butt because it was very punishing in terms of your technique, your your finger placement on the horn. If you are a little if you're a little bit off on that horn, it's going to bite you. You know, yeah. it's going to you're not going to get it. You're going to get a squeak. You're going to get it's not going to be clean. Yeah, so it was good. It was kind of a boot camp of, you know, (laughs) of horn playing because but I hated it at the time because I didn't feel like it fit me Um, and also didn't have the sound quality. Like I said, it was a classical horn. So it wasn't it didn't fit my personality of how I improvise or the licks that I liked to play. It just wasn't a match to the type of player that I am. But it was the only it was the only horn that 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 I had. So I had to make it work. And go through the horn, but nevertheless, I did develop a relationship with it. I just didn't have a good one with it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so later on, that you know, I ended up finding a better horn in the Navy that you know that works a little bit better.
1: So now you're um, you're coming out of college, and he, like many, i I'm, I'm thinking about Tina, who uh, we talked to on mm. a previous episode um you're out of college and you have to make a decision and i i often you know on other episodes a lot of the musicians go through the same thing of trying to decide of life life gets in the way what Mm -hmm. you're going to do and and a lot of people that are listening to the podcast have gone past this in their life and are deciding Mm -hmm. whether or not they want to pick up their instrument again, play music again. And you were at this area another crossroad on whether or not, you know, are you going to go conventional with a job of some sort mm-hmm. or are you going to play for a living? Right. Talk about talk about that area in your life, son.
0: Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew once I went into I, I knew once I was going to major in music and switch my majors that I was going to do a career in music, whether that was move to L.A. and do the starving musician yeah. thing and, and you know, wait tables and have multiple jobs and and make it happen um, or uh, the military. I knew the military was always an option, uh, especially mm-hmm. because of a family friend. Uh, shout out to David Nanceway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he he was he had put the bug in my ear earlier
1: right.
0: um, about that possibility. So. I knew one way or the other, I was going to end up having a, a, a career in music. Um, and to be honest, I was leaning towards doing the, you know, the start of a musician route and move into a New York or an LA, uh, probably LA for me, cause I'm more of a pop, you know, player. Oh. Um, and, um, and what really changed that was meeting Maggie, my wife, because, um, she, you know, uh, she was still going through college, but I knew that I wanted to be with her for the rest of my life. So that was really, that was a big part in which way I was going to go in music. So I knew I was going to do music, but what kind of swayed me towards the military was, well, it's one thing if I want to be a starving artist, it's, it's another thing if you (laughs) want your girlfriend to be, you know, a starving artist, that's a whole different ask. Uh, Not that the military is uh, a little ass either, but at least (laughs) they're a little bit more taken care of than than, you know,
1: uh,
0: than being a starving musician. So um, so that's why I decided to go with the military. And I knew the military wasn't going to be a lifelong career, um, which it turns out it's not for sure.
1: Uh
0: Um, But uh, that's that was really more of a determining factor than anything else. I think if I hadn't met Maggie, I think I definitely probably would have tried to go out to LA and who knows what would have happened. Maybe I would have failed and ended up, you know, going into something else, but I would have at least given it a shot and say I gave it a shot. Yeah. Well,
1: I look at it. The only way to fail is to not try. Right. So, you know, uh, otherwise you don't really know what the end result is. You have to try to find out. And if you have disappointing uh, results. That's not a failure. You just learn from those and you move on. And speaking right. of which, you you went in and um, and you know uh, there are some listeners that are younger than you. Uh, you're hitting. You're getting to be an old man, hitting your thirties. But, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. but don't remind me.
1: <laughs> but some that may be trying to decide. Uh, Which way they're going to go. Talk about your experience. You went overseas, you, Mm -hmm. you, um, with the Navy, and talk about your experience and where you've played and bringing Mm -hmm. music to other parts of the world.
0: Yeah, I think, um, it's been, it's been a, it's been a life changing experience for sure. You know, it's, (laughs) um, it's been, um, I think I've had a unique experience in in the Navy so far because I've seen the best of what the job can be. And I've seen the worst Mm. of what the job can be. And I don't think people who have retired and been in can't even say that. So Mm. um, even if they try to, Mm. Um, so uh, for me, uh, I got to achieve my dream being in the Navy when I was even, um, sixth grade as a saxophone player beginning I knew that I wanted to be a professional saxophone player and when um in one of my classes they asked they said you know of the course there was a typical thing of like what do you want to do when you grow up in professionals it was like one two and threes like make up you know come up with with um three options and I came up with one it was just become a professional saxophone player I didn't put anything else down Right, right, and so I knew I wanted to travel the world, and I didn't. I wasn't. Um, I've never had the big dreams of like being some type of celebrity or anything like that. I did, but I knew that I wanted to do it at the highest possible level and travel the world and, and leave a tiny, very modest musical impact—the biggest musical impact that I could possibly make
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a uh, as a saxophone player. And um, because of the Navy to be fair, that's exactly what I've been able to do Um, through a lot of blood, sweat and tears, a lot of all of those. um, I was able to do that in Japan. Um, I've been to Malaysia. I've been to, I think, 13 different countries. Mm -hmm. And, um, and at their, some of the biggest, the best moments of my musical career being able to um, uh, leave a, a pretty, a big impact for, for, for somebody like me to be able to make um, there. So okay. that was very fulfilling to be able to do that, you know? Sure. Um, and if that's, um, you know, for like you're talking about for people who are listening, who that might be an option, um, that is a possibility that can happen to you, but it's all in the fine print as well, because right. there's plenty right. of musicians that have never been overseas. And that's kind of the majority of them to be honest. Um, <laughs> Who haven't been overseas or haven't done a deployment, um, sure. um, because of our nature, we're, we're, we're kind of a specialized, uh, rate. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, we're more shore duty as they say. Right. So, um, I had a unique experience in being able to do a lot of that. So it's not guaranteed that if you join, you're not going to, you're going to be able to do that. It's very inconsistent depending on where they station you and the processes and
1: yeah, and the,
0: worse, you know,
1: and the decision is in someone else's hands.
0: always, always. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you, you alluded to um, music and, and the connection to your audience. Talk about that feeling that you get when you're on stage and Mm -hmm. you see your audience and they're enjoying what you're doing and you're communicating what you're feeling through this inanimate object that we call a sax, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, you know, that's why we do it. Right. I mean, that's, at least that's what I believe why we should be doing it. Um, but it's also complicated because I would say I'm just, and, and I say just now, but just now being probably, you know, since I've been in the, well, you know, a little bit longer than I've been in the Navy, maybe <clears throat> six or seven years that I like start learning the entertainment factor. Cause that's really what you're talking about when you're talking right. about connecting right. with the audience. Um, Cause there were times in college, you're in an academic setting. I went to UNM and you're tr- you're learning so much information that I for the life of me could not absorb. Like I had a really <laughs> hard time in college. Um, I'm still learning things I learned in college just now because yeah. um, I'm a slow learner, but I'm trying to apply all these academic techniques and I'm trying to right. apply what I learned from improv into this solo or I'm trying, you know, yeah. And you're very technique. You know, academia is very technique oriented. It's very fundamentals, you know, oriented. It's very sure. technical. Sure. It's like super technical.
1: You're trying to get um, your tool
0: find right. And you know, there's other schools, of course, that that are around out around the country that, yeah. frankly, do a better job of teaching yes. you about the entertainment aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I think UNM could learn a lot from. But, yeah. um. Through my experience, I remember I remember having a lot of performances, and shout out to Rodney Bow because he, he was the one that first taught me this, mm-hmm. and I've kind of taken off from it since then. I had a lot of performances before Rodney Bow where I would feel like I did an incredible solo, uh, but the crowd wasn't really feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> like they thought it sounded good, yeah. But I was there was a disconnect in what you're talking about of like the audience where I'd be like. I know I just smashed that solo, right?
1: And I'm right.
0: not getting the same reaction as maybe this other person. You know, who's of a solo, right? Yeah. You know, or you know, the energy just isn't there. You know, sure. Sure. so what I learned over time, like I said, shout out to Rodney Bow, was the entertainment factor. And even Mister North was, I think, trying to teach us this, but I it wasn't connected with me even back in high school. Right. You learn when you learn, I guess. You know, Rodney yeah. Bow taught me of like. He would push me out into the audience when I would yeah. be soloing. He would, he would, you know, if I was soloing, you know, he would come and be like, I remember one time I was soloing and I was killing it. We were playing just some jazz standards or some, no, we were playing um, um, Flashlight by Parliament, right? That was, oh, just, yeah. that was one of my standards. He'd be playing it and I had a big solo. He would let me rip on it. Right. And I would be ripping on it. And by the end of the night, I'd feel so good and satisfied. I'd be like, man, that was one of my best solos. And Roddy Bow would come up and he'd be like, I was, look, anybody can do that.
1: Yeah. Like, you're a
0: saxophone player. Anybody can, you yeah. know, you're a dummy dozen. And he didn't mean that in a, in a disrespectful way. He just was like, right. there's yeah. crazy saxophone players on this planet from all sure. different walks of life. Like, they can sure. all do what you can do. Right. What they can't do, what a lot of them can't do, is be entertaining when they're playing the same stuff. Right. Yeah. And that kind of opened my mind to, like, oh, there's another aspect to this that I'm missing. That I think a lot of even pop players, but especially like straight ahead jazz players and stuff, they don't even think about this type of thing (laughs) because straight ahead jazz doesn't really require that. Right. Right. Um, So as time went on, I was like, you know what, I need to I need to nurture this. And I would take hip hop dance classes or I would learn um, learning how to sell what I'm playing. There's a different aspect of not just playing a great solo, but selling That it's a great solo emoting with it and connecting with the audience that you're doing more than just blowing air through a horn you're you're, this this horn is a part of yourself and i'm going to show how this horn is a part of myself as i'm playing rather than me just blowing a whole bunch of notes through the horn and that was a big mind-blowing um experience and that immediately made to answer your question that immediately made performances way more enjoyable because I was able to express myself in a completely different way. Sure. And it made me a lot more unique. And I started getting hired a lot more and I started getting a lot more jobs and, you know, around town and stuff like that, because I wasn't just playing as good or maybe not even quite as good as a saxophone player that they had, but the entertainment factor was so much higher
1: that I blew them
0: out of the water. You know. it fed
1: fed the crowd.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've always taken that with me, you know.
1: Um we dabbled with uh you going to Japan and I mm-hmm. have a clip here um of you playing. Uh, why don't I play a little bit of it? I'll bring the volume down and you can narrate over a little bit of what we're listening to.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Okay. We're check this out. Bro. So talk a little bit about what we're listening.
0: Yeah, so that was a cover that we did of um Wilton Felder's uh Way Back Home. And uh I gotta shout out um James Chote. He was uh, he was a big part of why that project went so well, why it was so different than a lot of the other projects that were coming out. He um we did that as a tribute to you know Black History Month. Uh, And I felt like it was a really, um, a really classy way of doing it. Um, But that solo in particular, um, I was really blessed to have that solo because at the time, um, it was about a year, a year away from coming back to the States. My contract was coming up and I was about a year away. And frankly, I was, I was sick of being away from home. So, (laughs) you know, it was very, um, I was very homesick and, um, I felt like that song, especially the way that we arranged it, allowed me to kind of use that song as a vehicle to um, to express my want for for coming back home, you know yeah. um because for those of them know i had a <clears throat> I had a dope childhood, like I can't complain i loved i you know I love my family, I had a great upbringing um we didn't have we didn't have the most money in the world, both of my parents were educators, <laughs> so you know how that is. So we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but uh-huh. um we 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 were super happy growing up and we were always um a very, very close family that got even closer as we as we grew up. So um so leaving that and very abruptly and going to Japan, which <laughs> is damn near as far as way you can go, um <laughs> was really, really tough. And I was very homesick. And, um, so I use that solo as, that solo is very, there's a lot of scoops and, you know, kind of long notes and, um, a lot of, um, it's not, the, it's not the most technical solo in the world, but yeah. that was on purpose because, and I remember thinking about, well, what do I want to go technical and kind of throw a lot of, you know, throw a substitution yeah. in here yeah. and, you know, do, you know, stuff. And I was like, I'm not even... I'm not going to bother. I just feel like emoting (coughs) on this song. So that song is really me screaming through my horn. That's the way I think about it, you know, screaming through my horn. Um, Your emotions. Right, that I want to just, yeah, I want to come home. There's a part in there later on where I'm playing in high altissimo Uh, and I'm just, you know, it's very, you know, long notes that I'm bending uh, and and screaming through my horn. And that's me just, that's my want, screaming at the world that I want to come home. You know? You're ready to come on. Yeah. So I felt like it resonated with it because that was one of the biggest videos that the music program uh, in the Navy has ever put out. If you ask me. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it came across the way that I wanted it to. Cool. You
1: know? Cool.
0: So uh, talk to us now about
1: well, first of all, what kind of music do you like, Jared?
0: Why well, don't everybody says you're listening this, to
1: that but- you're listening to.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody says this, but I really mean it.
1: Like I really mean it. If you listen to
0: my playlist, it's yeah. not going to be very enjoyable because one song will be R and B, the next one will be classic rock, and the one after that will be metal. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, I listen to I listen to every any type of genre I can I can get my hands on mm-hmm. um, because I also feel like as a musician it's my job to try to be able to change colors to whatever genre I should be able to play. Sure. Um, so part of that is listening, um, but right now. I've been trying to, I think, you know, right now I've been trying to go back to my roots of trying to listen to more um, hip hop and pop Mm -hmm. stuff. um, um, Old school stuff. I've been going back and listening. I've been listening to a lot of old school stuff right now, a lot of Bobby Brown and Anita Baker and, um, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I've been going back and listening to that because for the longest time, I was listening to a lot of. I was trying to push myself to listen to stuff I hadn't listened to, and to be honest, what I don't listen to a lot is bebop. Yeah. <laughs> so a long time for so in Japan, I was listening to a lot of like Phil Woods and uh, uh, Bill Walters and right. uh, Lester Young, and, and was trying to develop my ear in bebop, which did help a lot. So recently, right. I've been trying to get back into like pop, and uh, listen to like brass tracks it was it was one of the hot. Um. Yeah hot you know bands out right now polyphia is a really hot band right now they just came out with a new album um that's the that's the group i sent you a while back right i did hear that yeah yeah so there's been a lot of um hip-hop and pop that i've been trying to get back into and um because that's where i started um Mm. and i've been kind of away from that trying to learn trying to stretch myself to different genres so i think i need to go back to learn where i where i come from a little bit recently you
1: know all right all right i feel you on that so speaking about going back where do you see yourself going forward to now you're still in the navy a couple of years to go what do you where do you see yourself if you could talk to your future Jarrett, in the next few years where do you see yourself going uh in the future and does music still play a play a play a place in your in your life with that?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, you know as a, you know, no matter what I decide, music will always be a big part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. That's for sure, you know uh, what way it plays a part is what's in question right now, and all possibilities are open. Um, yeah. you know, I kind of I feel like going back to the question, I kind of feel like I did in high school um, i just being burnt out, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a long journey mm. and, uh, and I've gotten to do what I set out to do, um, as a musician. So it's been pretty disorienting trying to figure out where to go next. Um, right. I met some unbelievably good musicians since being in the Navy and, uh, You know, they're trying to keep me playing, but I'll be, you know, I'll be completely transparent. It's a possibility that I won't play saxophone um, after I get out and move on to uh, something else and kind of close this chapter of being a, you know, professional musician um, out in my life and move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Because part of me feels like I've hit the glass ceiling um, because the music industry, it goes on to a bigger. know get into the weeds it's easy to get into the weeds about this type of stuff because it's what we're really talking about is the music industry so um it's the music industry is tough and there's a lot of world-class unbelievable saxophone players that are fighting for very few opportunities that are out there in the world (laughs) and i'm not i'm not um ignorant to that fact so um so I'm, I am definitely entertaining and it's a, you know, it's a, <clears throat> it's a good possibility that when I get out, I'm not going to play saxophone anymore mm-hmm. and music will still play a part of my life, you know, for sure, of course, right. but it won't be the main focus. It will be enjoying it in a different, in a completely different way. It won't be an active thing that I'm, that I'm participating in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm entertaining that. And then of course I'm entertaining the possibilities within music, whether that's teaching um I've been thinking about uh, music therapy although that field seems still like it's developing a lot so it's kind of hard to um from the research that I've done it's kind of hard to see the stability yet because it seems like it's still a field that's still kind of figuring itself out right. um, so i don't I don't know um my relationship with music right now is pretty pretty rough I'll be honest <laughs> um, we joke in the music world about music being a um, being a relationship, a partner relationship, just like your wife or, yeah, you know, yeah. your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty accurate. And I, I, I would say if that to continue with that analogy, I think me and music are, are on the verge of having a divorce right now. <laughs> so, you know, maybe we need to go see therapy or something, but. Well, um, you
1: know, you know, uh on the other episodes, we've talked about people that have had that rocky road with music whether it life gets in the way or uh, they've had a a director or a teacher that steered them in a different direction and uh, they let it go but for my personal uh life it's always when i've let my horn go or stopped playing for whatever reason it's always drawn me back i don't play at your caliber or some of the others that have been on the episode but other people that have um, have had similar feelings when they've put down their instrument, whether it's been through high school or college, or even when they're in their own profession, being a doctor and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, man, as, as your father has seen, and your mom, your parents have seen you go through this journey, uh, neither one of us, your mom or, or myself, can... See you moving on in your life without that sax in your DNA, that saxophone in your DNA. That's what everybody keeps telling me. And you're, uh, you know, you can try to deny that element of your uh, being, but that's no um, better than trying to, uh, no way of trying to uh, deny your right arm or Mm. your, 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 the rest of your limbs. So, yeah, uh, the big the the future is uh open wide and one thing you've demonstrated over your life is that uh you are gonna be successful in anything you, you do because when you put your mind to it, that's the has been the outcome. So we're just looking to see the next chapter. Um leave your uh leave the listeners with um and probably yourself (laughs) with an inspiration of why they should continue playing music. Why do you think you, you and the listeners should continue to go back or pick up an instrument they they haven't done before or, or keep playing?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's tough about it. Right. Because (laughs) it's a balance of playing for other people, but you also need to be able to play for yourself, right? Yeah. Because you need to be getting something out of it as well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's always the balance that I think a lot of musicians, no matter what level you are, I don't care right. if you're, you know, John Coltrane, he struggled with it too. Yeah. Um, of playing, playing free, hot cross buns. <laughs> yeah. Or, or first playing, you know, hot cross buns for the first time is what are you getting out of it versus what are, what other people are getting out of it? Right. If you're playing and, and you're not getting a lot out of it and it's kind of a whatever thing for you, then it's probably not for you. It's, I was that way with sports. I've never been an athlete. Right. <clears throat> I don't get, you know,
1: yeah.
0: sports just doesn't talk to me. I've tried before, you know, I've tried track yeah. and football and stuff like that and they're to have fun, but it's not, yeah. it doesn't speak to me. Right. Like a lot of the high school kids at the time and stuff like that, but music is the same way. Um, so if you have to be honest with yourself, I think, and I think first comes you, because without you, it doesn't matter what if you're connected to the audience or not, if you're not enjoying right. it. If you're enjoying it, then um that's all the reason that you need. Yeah. If you know if you if you play for yourself, um, I think that's the number one reason. Right. Um, and that's and that's all the reason that you need to keep playing. You don't have to be the best player, you don't have to be the most technical, you right. don't have to there's plenty of people. Shout out to my friend Eli. He's he, you know, he plays a little bit of guitar, but he's not a musician. He'll tell you himself. But he knows more about music and history, music history, than I do. Right? Uh, Because and he's because he's such a fan of albums and and there's a lot of people like that that don't play any an instrument at all, and I consider them pretty much musicians. Really, they're not performing, right? But they know so much, and they're such fans of the or the craft, and they support the scene, and they. Sure. You know, are really, you know, big, um, just big fans about it that they might as well be musicians. In some some ways, they're more musicians than people who are actually playing, you know. So um, for me, that's what I'm trying to balance because what I get most out of it, I practice. I don't get, you know, I practice and I enjoy practicing, but I don't, if I was just practicing for the rest of my life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that's not good enough for me. The payoff is playing for other people. That's what... Fills my cup. Right. You know, that is playing for me is getting that reaction for other people and getting a hype crowd going and and that type of thing. So uh, that's what drives me is what's driven me to get to the high level that I'm at right now. But that's also the double edged sword that keeps me from deciding whether I want to do this in the future, because. Um, it's hard to do that, frankly, as sure. especially as an instrumentalist, it's, it's hard and no matter what you do, but it's a little bit easier if you're a vocalist or you're a rapper or you're, you know what I mean? They tend to have a lot better luck than the saxophone players. Um, so I don't know what my future holds, but, um, if I do get to continue playing music, um, it's going to be, a, it's going to have to be at a higher level than this. That's just me. If I, yeah. if I continue playing music at a professional level, it's going to have to, we're going to have to. Push to that next level
1: of hey, some kind.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's that's real tough. <laughs> yeah. That's real tough.
1: Well, we will watch you and hold your hand and continue to love you. And everybody enjoys seeing you playing and making that connection. I yeah, want thank- to
0: thank Albuquerque and everybody who supported me. I see you guys. So thank yeah.
1: you. I want to thank you so much, son, for doing this. I know you've been busy. And I want to thank the listeners for downloading the podcast. Again, this has been OTP On the Podium with Jared Goodrum. And we want to thank you all for taking the time and listening. Go out and play all the right notes.
0: You've been listening to The Podium. If you would like to be a guest on The Podium, email the show at onthepodium2 at gmail.com. That's O N T H E. P-O-D-I-U-M-T-O-O at gmail.com.